Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. This morning, I came to touch a very integral part of um, the several transitions that we go through in our growth, in uh, the several consecrations that we undergo as believers to live God's best, to live in the liberty of freedom that has been given to us by Christ. Um, Paul has a problem with the church in Galatians 5. He says, stand ye therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free. And he says, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Paul's problem is that it's easy for people to stand in the liberty wherewith Christ has set them free and because of false teaching, indifference, uh, immaturity, find themselves going back again into the very bondage where they have been delivered. And that's a big challenge. Today in the church of Jesus Christ, many people think that people need more deliverance, you know, than liberation. Standing in the liberty that I beg to defer, I'm going to give my case this afternoon. That the biggest challenge of the church in 2023 is not really the spaces of deliverance, but the spaces of standing in the places of liberty. We think that these things are the same, but these things are not the same. In First Peter 2, he's not telling us about bondage, but mostly emphasizing on this freedom. In verse 16, he says, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. In Galatians 5.13, he says, brethren, you have been called unto liberty only do not use liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. So you see here, all these men, their argument is that you are called to liberty, but don't abuse it. Don't misunderstand it. Don't misuse it. Don't be indifferent in it. Because that's why you were really called. You see what I'm saying? In 5 Galatians 13, he spoke about serving one another. In 1 Peter 2.16, he spoke about serving the Lord. Because the pendulum of liberty swings between my freedom and liberty that I have to serve God. How free am I to serve God? How free am I to serve God? If you're the kind of person who is not serving God, I don't care how free you think you are, you're not. True freedom serves. Praise the Lord. And I'll explain why it is service. But to help us really break these many moving parts for your understanding, I need to get probably a context and I'm going to use the story of the children of Israel coming from Egypt all through the wilderness into the promised land. And there are a few concepts that I want to help us understand because many of us mix these things up and call some as sin and miss the mind of God. Now, we have this box here and in this box I want you to place two words. I want you to place the word captivity and I want you to place the word bondage. That's one box. Then I have a second box I'm going to call deliverance. I want you to put deliverance in that box. I have a third box I'm going to call freedom or liberty. They can be used concurrently, simultaneously. There's a few differences and nuances, but it's usually the narratives and semantics. When it comes to the spiritual realm, we also have our own definitions that quite sometimes might not reconcile with your semantics. For example, if you go in the Oxford Dictionary and then define love, They'll call it a feeling. You understand? That's a dictionary, Oxford dictionary, Merriman. And sometimes as preachers, we define so much from the language and interpretation of men than it is the revelation of Jesus Christ. If the dictionary defines love as a feeling, we don't define love as a feeling. For us, God is love. You understand what I'm saying? He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Love is the third dimension of nature. I was sharing with some people and I told them, some of you know only of two natures, the spiritual world and the material world, but 
I call love another nature, another realm as well, because it exists in both and carries different uh, interpretations in both worlds. Very, very expedient for us to understand. Because why? God is love. He's not just a lover, but he is love. Like he is a spirit, and you call that a nature, right? He is love too. So love in its own, it carries another, another dimension of thought because without love, the spirit realm and the physical don't make much sense. You understand what I'm saying? It's the reconciliation of many things. It's a constraint that defines the wisdoms of God that help us function as we go. But anyway, that is not for today. I just want us to remember the three boxes. Captivity, bondage, deliverance, and then liberty and freedom. I've said this once that many people think bondage and captivity are the same, but they're different. Bondage and slaves. Captivity limits. Never forget that. When somebody is under bondage, they're under the spirit of slavery. They're enslaved under some sort of entity yet. But when somebody is in captivity, they are uh, governed by the spirit of limitation. There are many people who are bound and in captivity. There are some people who are not in captivity, but they are bound. And there are people who are not bound, but in captivity. Am I making sense? Like the person can say, I'm not a slave to anything or anybody. And they're right. But they are limited in life. There are places they cannot go. You remember when God sends Moses to go to Pharaoh, Exodus chapter 7, verse 16. He tells them, you'll say unto him, the Lord of the Hebrews has sent me unto thee, saying, let my people go that they might serve me. That they might serve me. Let them go so they might serve me. Like I said, the place of liberty is a place of service. Remember when Moses goes to Pharaoh, Pharaoh tells them, only go, but don't go that far. Because not only are they in bondage, but they are also in captivity. They are limited in how far they can function. When you see a form of limitation in your life, you might not be in bondage. When you see a form of limitation, when you see some sort of spirit refuse you to say, you cannot grow this far, you cannot build this big, that is in its own sense captivity. You study and understand it. Are you following what I'm saying? So it's not that some people are in chains. Bondage, no. The chains are off, but there's a box around which they move and they can't move outside that box. And it can happen financially, it can happen psychologically, it can happen emotionally, it can happen in many aspects of life. But to tell the difference, to tell the difference. So you have this world here. When Pharaoh releases them in Exodus 8.28, the Bible says, he said unto them, I will let you go that you may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness, only ye shall not go very far. In other words, I've put a boundary of how far you can go in your worship. I've put a boundary in how far you can go in your praise, in your service toward your God. That's captivity. Some are, like I said, in captivity and bondage. And some are not in bondage per se, but they're in captivity. They don't appear to be in bondage to anything, but they are under some captivity. They are under some limitation. If a pastor cannot grow their ministry, there's some captivity. It's hard to explain it, but if you study it, you'll understand it. Do I mean that they are bound? Oh, some, some we can be dealing with some bonding, enslaved to something. But some, they're just free men who are limited by some sort of thing. And the operation of the wisdom of God can actually deliver that person and help them what? Scale up as they ought to. It happens to a business person. It's a painful thing to find yourself saying, I can do business these many years, but I've never leaped beyond. There's a person right now listening to me. You've been doing the same job for 20 years. I remember when I went banking. I did banking for six years. And in the first year, I was already supervisor. Two, three, four years down the road, I was already a branch manager. I think I was among the youngest in the country. And I blessed the Lord for that. But there are people who I know joined the bank the time when I joined. They had been in the bank for like 10 or 15 years. They entered the same position. I left them there. 2023, they're still serving the same office. I know them by name and face. That's captivity. 
they're not bound, they eat food. They pay fees. They can change their car, but they are under captivity because nothing is taking them beyond. They are not progressing in life. God has built you or designed you to live from one level of glory to another level of glory. Praise the Lord. The Bible says of the increase of his government. Government. Remember the Bible says earlier that the government shall be upon his word. Shoulder. It says unto us a child is born and a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. Shoulder is the church really. He is the head, the other body, right? The next verse says, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Anything that touches God's government and work on the earth. You see, when I read that portion of scripture years ago, I knew Fanero will never stop growing. I knew it. I don't need to look second guess. Even if everybody left this room tomorrow, you can't change what I feel in Isaiah 9-7. I can build another army. Just like that. Why? Because every time I read that portion of scripture, I see that not only is it the work of God to increase us without end, but the Bible says he adds his zeal in that commitment. He says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform. Remember the Bible says to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice. But he builds it on the throne of David, not on any other throne. It's a very important thing to know why he uses David, David's throne to build this principle. Have you noticed in the last days that the only temple going to be rebuilt is the temple of David? Why the temple of David? Because this is the typification of the consecrations that a man must have in his heart to be used by God as he ought. You see, when you studied David, a man after God's own heart, I tell people that for me, I understood divine order. I understood the anointing by studying David. I understood this place of authority and leadership through studying David as a pastor. I understood how a man builds intimacy with God through David. This for me, he's my teacher. He's my teacher. And to find that even God finds it worthy to come as a son of David. That's deep. Why would he put himself under the sonship? He says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, comma, the son of Abraham. There's a reason why he introduces himself under that sonship, yet he is Lord. How the Lord becomes a son, how my Lord submits himself to the order of David and Abraham to be so much blindness for you not to study them. Study David, you learn so much about the anointing. Study David, you'll understand how mantles shift. You'll understand so much. So, God has designed your life to be that way. Say amen. The path of the just shines brighter and brighter. The message version says the longer they live, the brighter they shine. I don't know what is going to happen between now and tomorrow morning, but this is what I know for sure. Tomorrow morning, you're going to be burning brighter, shining brighter than this sun. I'm going through all of that stuff. Yes, you can go through all of that. But to know this, you know, it's one thing to have it in scripture, but it's another one for you to lambano, to katalambano, to get it in your spirit and know but every morning you wake up like that. For me, every time I put my feet on the ground at home, ah, I say, thank you, God, for yet a brighter day. Not because the sun came up, but because my way shines brighter every day. You know that song? The Lord, I serve him, uh, the sweeter he. Help me. The more that I love him, all love he bestows. Each day is like heaven, my heart overflows. The Lord, I serve him, the sweeter he grows. So 
Those of you who are serving God, every day you'll just be receiving. In one of those verses, it says, every need he's supplying. Tomorrow morning, I told you, you're going to shine brighter than you're shining now. Keep that mentality every day of your life. That's the thing I've kept over this ministry. It's the way we are under God, this altar, of the increase. That doesn't mean that somebody might not leave Fanero tomorrow. But Fanero does not grow by how many people leave. It grows by how many people come. <laughs> Who understands what I'm saying? You understand? Every day I know there must be increase. Somehow there must be increase. Salvation, whatever it is, but there must be increase. See that in your business. See that in your career. See that in your dreams. See that in your projects. And you'll start to live a very glorious life in Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. Back to our boxes. So, limitations level. Then you have this thing called deliverance. Deliverance is the power that takes you out of bondage or captivity or both. As deliverance. Are you following what I'm saying? When you became born again, you were taken from darkness. The power of darkness. And he has translated you into the kingdom of his dear son. That's deliverance. It takes place from bondage or limitation to a place where you're not bound or limited by that sin that was in your life. But this is where Christians miss it. Christians miss it this way. They think that deliverance is freedom. They think that deliverance is liberty. And that is not so. Study the children of Israel. These people are delivered from the captivity and bondage of Egypt. Delivered. The Bible calls it a great deliverance. And then they find themselves in the what? In the wilderness. When they find themselves in the wilderness, the Bible tells us they were stirred by a group called mixed multitudes. And I wish I could talk about that only for one hour. How would God part the sea? And another group of people, which is not under covenant, can still go under the cloud of that provision and cross along with the children of Israel. And God won't say, no, those are not Jews. Leave them alone. No, they follow the children of Israel. And they cross with them. These are the ones that stir the children of Israel into a lasting, awaken something they're not supposed to awaken. And the next thing we know, the children of Israel, the Bible says, wept again and says, give us flesh to eat. For we miss the fish that we ate in Egypt. We miss the onions. We miss the cucumbers. We miss the garlic and the leeks. Moses, why did you take us out of Egypt for us to come and, and die here? Every day we're eating manna, manna. Things are falling from heaven. They taste the same. Are those delivered men? Yes. Are they free? No. Freedom is taking the bondage out of the delivered. Because it's one thing to deliver a man out of bondage, but it's another to take bondage out of him. It was understood. Okay. In Africa, we have the saying, you can take a man from the village. But how do you take the village out of the man? <laughs> Who remembers that saying? Eh? You can take a man out of the what? The village. Are you following what I'm saying? To get a man from the village is different from getting the village out of a man. To take a man out of bondage and captivity is different from getting captivity and bondage out of a man's mind. That's freedom and liberty. So we have many delivered Christians and how do you tell they're delivered? They never leave the wilderness. They never leave the wilderness. And this wilderness can be quite an ambiguous experience. Why? Because it comes with its provision. Manna is falling every day. They can actually testify. I've seen many delivered people singing songs of freedom and liberty. 
and they even dance with we i am free but they don't understand that concept you're not free until all bondage and captivity is out of your spirit the place where you are free to serve god in the assignment he has ordained you for no man who is not assigned is free it doesn't matter how much provision they have in the world it could only be the provisions of the wilderness but they come in different and colors and castes but you're living in a generation where people still testify of food i thank god we could not eat food but now we eat you understand but they are crying over the testimony of food before a man who is fasting for a year not because food is not available but they've counted all things but loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ for whom they count all things but dung that they might win him those two people have different results in life so there are things that you see when the bible tells us that theologians tell you that the journey from Egypt the sea that was parted from the beginning of the wilderness to the promised land they say was a 12 to 14 day journey but the children of Israel spent 40 years where 12 days would have taken and 38 around the same place mount seir the inheritance of esau who was not preferred even by god because when the birthright was being taken he sold it to his brother jacob you remember the story he sells his birthright the older serves the who the younger but his father looked at him and saw something called responsibility and i'm going to come back to the end there underline the word responsibility i'm going to emphasize it towards the end eso comes to his father and tells him my father my father is there no more blessing for me is it all taken away from me and Isaac says you know what let's go to verse 39 and Isaac answered behold your dwelling shall be the fatness of the earth and of the dew of heaven from above and by the sword thou shall live and thou shall serve thy brother and it shall come to pass listen to this this when thou shall have the dominion that thou shall break his yoke from your neck in other words i'm looking at you and i'm looking at jacob and i realize that much as jacob has the blessing he does not have the work ethic and the responsibility of that liberty and i'm seeing a time also where one day you shall have the dominion and you shall break his yoke off your neck not because he was not my choice but he was not disciplined with the responsibility that comes with the mantle with the birthright with the grace is carried with the assignment I've assigned him one day you will have dominion why because there are principles even the chosen cannot bypass no matter how chosen you are by god there are things you cannot bypass you'll have to go through those processes eventually it's not enough to be gifted it's not enough to be gifted i know many people in life who are way more gifted way more wiser way more graced but have not made it than many of the people which were mediocre in the same world why because some people applied themselves to the responsibilities that the gift the chosen or gifted could not go into and that's a common disease among men Ecclesiastes chapter 6 the man to whom god has given great honor and grace that he wanteth nothing the bible says yet he carries not the power to take it and a stranger comes the bible says and taketh it and he says this is an evil disease but he says it's common among men there are people living in the graces of the inheritances god has ordained on your life not because they are not available but you cannot apply yourself to the responsibilities that come with the grace God has given you. Now, back to what I was trying to tell us. So, when they cross this, the Bible tells us they spent 38 years on Mount Seir. 
38 years on Mount Seir. Mount Seir was the inheritance of Esau, the Edomite. That's where they were. God has to come to them and tell them, you've been around this mountain for so long. He had to rebuke them out to tell them this is not your inheritance. But whoever knew that the seed of Jacob would find comfort under the cloud of Seir? Whoever knew. Because remember how the seed of Jacob entered Egypt. Remember what it became in Egypt. Remember the promises God made to Jacob. Remember what God did through Joseph. Jacob had an anointing way bigger than his father and his father's father. And the Bible says so. That the grace and anointing on his life was greater than his progenitor. This fellow was anointed greatly. It was a third generation of anointed men God had called. Because you see, every generation, every old womb produces a deeper seed. You understand? You're a better version of your parent. If you're not, Oh, you need not deliverance. Deeper than deliverance. But everybody's a greater seed. If you stood next to your mother, chances are that you're taller than her. Or your father, chances are that you'll be taller than him, except for the few exceptional people. You understand what I'm saying? If you look at your mother and grandfather, many of us, your father's generation was richer than his father. Many of us. Few exceptions, of course. But many of us, our father's generations were richer than our great-grandfathers. And some of you already see the trajectory that you are a richer version of your mother and father and your grandfather. That's a good way to go because that guarantees that your children should do better. That's where we start from. That's what the Jews have mastered. That's why, for example, 25% of the world's billionaires are Jews. 25% of the world's billionaires are Jew. They're all Jewish. It's Jewish blood. And not because of the blood, but the principles that they teach generation upon generation. One percent of the richest people on the earth, majority of them are Jew. Not because of the blood, but because of the principles they pass on generation upon generation upon generation upon generation. These are things that are taught and learned. When you build good times, I've said that before. One wise man said that hard times created hard men and those hard men created good times and those good times created weak men which are bringing back hard times. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you're a hard worker but your daughter doesn't want to go to work. You're really in trouble. So the wisdom here is how hard times create hard men and hard men create good times and good times by the wisdoms of hard men can preserve hard men and create hard men. That's the only secret to preserve good times. That's what the Jews understand. And even in wealth, in splendor, in influence, power and affluence, they know how to tame their seed, to discipline themselves to understand that what you're doing has to outlive you to your next generation. A wise man leaves an inheritance for his children and children's children. Not what you leave for them, but what you leave in them. And that's what the Jews understand. What you leave in a child is more important than what you leave for them. Tomorrow you can leave all these things and they sell them tomorrow. Again, deliverance is different from freedom. Some people leave like enslaved people. How? Let me give you an example. And I've seen it, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to use the examples of some of our most popular people that I've seen on television. You find this fellow rapping before a television and he's showing off of a watch of six million dollars and he's before a camera. Eyes. You understand? And they're usually, I'm sorry to say, excuse my language, they're usually this color. They're because they were carried off this show as slaves. You understand what I'm saying? But in their slavery, they were delivered into wealth. But they are not free. Why would you put on a watch for six million dollars, even if you own the whole world? What time is six million dollars going to tell you that somebody has watched does it? The one he bought at two dollars. You can't find Zuckerberg do that. You can't find Bill Gates do that. Which are all Jewish blood. They don't have that kind of character. You don't find them like that. You can't find Zuckerberg with a heavy necklace almost throwing him down. 
because he owns Facebook. Somebody shout fire. I'm helping somebody. There are brothers in Africa are dying. The guy has six jets. Remember there was a time a boxer they showed who had a hundred cars once. He had a hundred cars, Abu Luganda. A hundred cars. One, two, three, four, five, six, a hundred. How many would you drive in a day? Do you change your car every day? Do you drive out every day? Already people with two are struggling. Because as one's battery is running out, the other one's tire is out. <laughs> trying to charge the tire, you understand, the radio dies, you understand? What kind of slave mentality can buy a hundred cars when there's still hundreds and millions of people sleeping hungry every day? What's in that thing? So yes, delivered from poverty. And that's what some people go to church for. I want deliverance from poverty, deliverance from not getting married, deliverance from not going to school, deliverance from being tall, deliverance from... They have a list of deliverances. And then after you're delivered, you say you are free because the provisions of the wilderness have come in now. But in the wilderness, God is saying, you're not even yet ready for my best. You're not ready for my best. I'll give you a few examples. For example, the children of Israel, for being in bondage for many years and captivity, they developed a spirit of fear. And in the portion of scripture, he says, when the Lord God delivered the children of Israel out of bondage, the Bible says, he led them not through the way of the land of the Philistine, although that was near. For God said, least for adventure, they will see war and repent and return back to Egypt. They will see war and repent and return back to Egypt. So I tell people, fear is a powerful thing. Fear is so powerful. Imagine the armies of Pharaoh are chasing after them and they reach this place and they don't know how to cross the sea. They are crying to Moses, we're going to die. Why did you lead us here? Did God lead us here to kill us? And they're all weeping. God is saying to them, stand still and know I'm God. I'm going to part the water. No, we are going to die. You understand? And then they cross over. And God says, if they see the Philistine, they will return to Egypt. How? By boat, by sea, by flight, how? Fear can make you do a miracle. <laughs> he didn't say that they'll reiterate back to their old posts. No. He said they will return to Egypt. How? Nobody knows. Some of you say, oh, I can't run. Then you set a dog on a person. One time there's a person I know. Home area where I lived. This person was endowed. So some stray dog comes out of the neighbor's gate and aims for this human being. I saw speed. People, people. You saying bold can't run. Some people don't judge books by their covers. Some people here actually can surprise you when fear comes. <laughs> I mean, if your enemy can scatter seven ways because of fear, you remember how the Bible says it, calls it, right? It comes one way. And because of fear, the Bible says he flees seven ways. How does somebody flee seven ways? Fear can make people do things. Somebody can come here crippled, they broke their leg last week. And then you fire three bullets there. Then you see. By the time they come to their senses, they're at the gate. Then they remember, oh, wait. I have a broken leg. Adrenaline. They're shooting. You don't even feel the pain anymore. Fear can make people do things. I imagine here he's saying, they've been enslaved and in bondage for so many years. They are fretful. And what should take them 14 days is going to take them 40 years because they can't, they can't. Even what I have built by them will go. Are they delivered? Yes. Are they free? No. They'll lose even that little thing that they had. They'll lose that little. It's like I was telling people that there are some people that don't cast devils out deliberately. Yeah, but that's rude. No, it's true. Because you see, the Bible says that if you cast out a devil out of a man, 
he goes in the dry places seeking for a place to rest and finds none and comes back in its old house to see whether it's available and he finds the house swept, garnished and clean. And he goes back and brings seven more devils and the Bible says, and the place of that man is worse than the first. So why should I subject you to more suffering if I've not told you how to keep your house? Now you understand why we teach? If I'm not going to be able to teach this person, there are instances I do it, but there are instances the Spirit will tell me, no, with this one, if it comes back, it will kill her. I told people, five deliverance services. Five deliverance services. I have to give a man leading. Why? One, first day, we chase out one devil, right? It goes in the dry places, seeks for a place to rest, finds none, comes back to its original place, and brings seven more, which become eight, isn't it? Then you cast out the eight, and they go. And each one brings what? So seven times eight is what? 56, second deliverance service. They come back for the third deliverance service with 56 demons. Is it? Uh-huh. Then you cast out 56 and then they go. Then you multiply that by seven. And that's 300 and what? 392. Demons in third deliverance service, fourth deliverance. Then they come back to the fifth deliverance service with 392 devils. Then you cast them out. And then they go out and each of them brings eight. What is 392 times eight? Huh? 2,000 what? Legion. 2,700 what? 44. Legion. Five deliverance services. That's why you notice people who go for deliverance services. They never leave the wilderness. I'm not saying I'm against deliverance services, but what is deliverance? Why do you think Jesus didn't have deliverance rooms? Jesus had deliverance moments, not service. Why do you think Jesus didn't have deliverance rooms? Like I've seen it, I've seen it in practice for some churches. They have these rooms, they lock people up. And then you find mad people. Ah! If Jesus, the real Jesus I read about in the Bible, walked there, all of them would go home. I promise you the Jesus I read about in the Bible, by the time he would leave that, there would be no man in that room. Five services. That is why we must have word service. We must teach people. That's why we teach more than we out, 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 out. I don't even know if I started to out, out, you'd see things. Some things would fly. They are quiet. They are seated there. But even talking about them, they're like, leave me alone. Somebody's getting uncomfortable in their seat. I can shout here and then you see things. But I'm separating you from that tenant and I'm teaching you. Because some of you, these things live rent free. They don't even pay rent, at least if they pay. But you carry something for 20 years and it doesn't even pay rent. It's misusing your windows, your tiles are broken, you understand? Things in there are breaking. Why? Because we're not teaching the truth. When you know the truth, the truth will make you free. Somebody shout amen. Shout glory to God. Are we learning something? Sophia was one of them. Two, they did not understand worship. They were not established in intimacy with God. And that is enough to leave a man in the wilderness. If you don't understand intimacy and worship, it's enough to leave a man in the wilderness. It's enough to leave a man in the wilderness. That is why when he calls Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel comes and rebuilds the what? The temple. What does Nehemiah do? Build walls, right? But you see, it's not enough to build walls and temples when you have not established what? Worship. It's not enough. Because yes, you have the buildings, wonderful. You have the church and the walls, the protection is there, but who is going to bring the worship? That's why men like Habakkuk exist in scripture and the like to help you understand that it's not just enough to have a good building and a good, you need to have intimacy. You see, now imagine Moses goes to the mountain just 40 days 
and they've already built another mountain image. It's in them to worship, but they don't know what to worship. They don't know what they worship. Just a few days, the same God who has parted the sea, they've forgotten and built themselves another God. So if you don't understand this thing, and we have these men, these people who, they say, what happened to me, pastor? And then you ask them, but how often do you even come to church? Uh, when I have time. And I want to tell the person exactly, that's how the devil deals with you. Because he knows you also have his time. You can share. There is something about dwelling in the presence of God. There are things that just live when you learn to just dwell in the presence of God. Just to sit there. Just to sit there. Just to sit in the presence of God. And wait on Him. And learn to hear Him. That's why Amos teaches the problem. Just to know how to relate with this God. I'll give you another thing. Because these are lessons that we see in the wilderness. Unbelief. Just unbelief. Unbelief. Remember the spies they sent him to to go and spy the promised land? The Bible says they came back with an evil report. Not false. Evil. There's a difference. Why? Because you see, even though God sent them through Moses to go and spy the land. And, and this is the thing that always amazes me with God. How he tells you, I'm taking you to a land, don't miss this, filled with milk and honey. And it doesn't tell you anything about the giants. There's no warning. Oh, you didn't get it. Because they don't matter. Now you got it. Because they don't matter. So what he doesn't mention doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how big. That's how God is. But you, you never told me that when I enter ministry, this would happen because it was inconsequential. You never told me that when I enter marriage, men can be this because it's inconsequential. It carries no bearing with the bigger picture that he has for your life. Come on, somebody. If you didn't mention it, it doesn't matter. I don't care whether it's incurable. I don't care whether it's unbearable. If he did not mention it, it does not matter. How do you tell a woman you'll have children? Oh yeah, and then she goes to the doctor and Dr. Stella, you cannot have children. It doesn't matter. It does not matter, dear woman of God. It doesn't matter. If he didn't mention it, but you shall struggle to give birth if he didn't know. If in the prophecy he didn't mention it, it's inconsequential. It carries no bearing with you to look at. And look at these fellows. They go and say, yeah, indeed the land is flowing with milk and honey, but we have found some guys there. The sons of Anah. They are giants. And they say, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. Now listen to this language. Listen to the language. Listen to the language. In our own sight, we were as grasshoppers. Comma. And so were we in their sight. That means, who has understood it? The sons of Enoch saw the children of Israel as the children of Israel saw themselves as we were in their sight. Not and we were. It's as we were. You understand? So you are to a thing how you see yourself to eat. Is that English? I was in America once shopping with somebody and then we entered this wonderful shop and then this person saw a very nice watch and then she put it on the wrist like this and she, eh, she said, how much is this thing? It was a tag you are. Pretty expensive thing. I think it was in the above $10,000. So this guy, you know, uh, simply said, I think, he said twelve or 13000 says $12,000. And then this person had the watch and they're like, Mama, 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 mama. That thing speaks a lot. Eh? It means, what if I break it? Eh? Where will I even get that 10K? You get it. You're not any different from this spies. You enter a nice shop and then you'll see a nice shoe. Then ask, how much is it? $400. Oh, wow. And you turn like that. 
You even rush out of a, of a shop, least you damage the carpet and they make you pay the inheritance your father left you in Mitiana. Somebody shout fire. I told people, even before I had money, there was a mentality God built in me when I understood how this thing, faith called works. This thing called faith works. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Perceiving as real what is not revealed to your senses. So you enter a shop like this and ask, how much is that? What? It's a hublum. I tell you, it's $300,000. Eh? Fair. Of course, in your heart, you're like, but not fair. <laughs> what about that one? 700000 Yeah, it looks its price. And if it's overwhelming, I say, oh, that's cheap. It's so nice for this money. One time we were in South Africa with somebody and we went into a very nice car shop and they were selling the top of the top range of cars. So we entered this wonderful thing. So we entered this very nice post shop and it was a very expensive car. So we go looking around and I see this nice Mercedes MG. So I asked this guy, how much is this thing? Oh, my brother, eh? this thing is da-da-da-da-da red. Like he's talking like, eh? it's really high. I told him, hmm, that's cheap. I thought it was more expensive than that. So this guy turns like, he said, who are you, my man? Who are you? Who are you, my man? Who are you, my man? <laughs> I told him back home I'm royalty. Where are you from, eh? Where are you from, brother? I don't know where I come from, but where I come from, eh? Hey, brother, eh? You're lucky, eh? You have money, eh? So, of course, I'm a child of God. <laughs> Tell your neighbor mentality. Some of you even tell the person, can I sit? Yeah, then you sit like this. Is this okay? No! Somebody shout amen. Now you have two guys, Joshua and Caleb, they go to the same place these fools were in last week. And then they come back and tell these guys, no, you guys, eh? this place is good. Why? Because they simply chose to call things the way God had called them. What is that thing that made Joshua miss the giants? Because they don't mention. They say we can overtake, we can take over this. What is that thing that blinds them from the very giants another man saw? Why is it so hard for you yet another man walks into the same grace and makes the same amount of money that you're dreaming to make effortlessly? Faith. The optics by which you see things, your vision has to change. You cannot build a million dollar idea with a minimum wage ethic. It cannot work. Every man in this world has a blessing of God over their lives. You must understand that. And connect to that blessing always. I tell people, there is nothing as painful as being under the bondage of a certain man's provision. In life, you're just there to, your children won't go to school if somebody won't send fees. You won't parent because somebody has forgotten to send money. You won't live here because you're this. And, and then you find a 23-year-old, a 27-year-old saying they're free, yet they're still living under their father's roof and they're eating their food. You're 40. You understand? No, no, no. God has created you free. And he intends to manifest that freedom on your life. How are you in the world and you're dependent on a certain individual tomorrow who can turn and change the rest of your destiny because they turned one side? I tell women, even if you're married, the blessing of God does not leave you because you're married to a man. What if he lacks money tomorrow? Does that mean your whole household is going to what? Luck. I was dealing with a daughter I was trying to help a few months ago. She told me, Papa, me, I don't want a poor man. And I said, that right there is bondage. I thought you were going to say you don't want to be poor. Who got it? I know many of you missed it. <laughs> many of you missed it. How do 
you wake up in the morning and the first thing is you must be rich except you know that you're poor and you want to survive of his wealth every month every month i make sure i give money to my wife because she's my wife it's my responsibility as a man to provide for my household i pay my bills i meet that but she has her own personal business too she has believed god to bless her own hand also the bible says she considereth a field and what and buys it with the fruit of her hands she plants a vineyard so yes her money is her money my money is hers that's how we live oh you didn't get it what's mine is hers what's hers is hers that's how we live are you following what i'm saying but she should not stake her provisions on what i have she must know that whether i have or not she has a god up high who can still provide her needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus there are women i know here they are not married they are single women but my friend they drive their own car build their own houses they are traveling around come on do i have a witness here yeah who told you that because you're a woman you must lack for your blessing to until god much as i'm married to this ninja there must be something for me to up there in heaven to elevate me to the provisions necessary that when he's not able to come through i'll simply extend the bread and say let's move on man of god yeah because yes turbulent times might come and he might have and you don't and or sometimes he he doesn't have and you do thank god you do you understand But some of you even when God blesses you you enter that mindset enslaved you're hiding things from a man I bought this but I won't tell him what you're not free yet no when you enter marriage prepare him to know that you have something on your life that can explode also hello such that you don't hide your base you tell him man of god the lord did something seek him also <laughs> Glory to God. The Bible says whether Jew Gentile he is lord of all and he's rich unto all. He's rich unto all. He can bless the man and the woman alike. How do you say I don't want to marry a poor man? Of course no father wants their daughter to marry a poor man. But not for the reasons of bondage. It should be other reasons but not that Then how have you asked God for the wealth? He can make you wealth. Then you find the family struggling. We are struggling. We are struggling. My husband doesn't tithe, but for me I'm born again, but I don't have money. Ask for your blessing. Deliver the household. You can't. There's a reason why the children of Israel were not digging in the wilderness. because sometimes the deliverances of the wilderness can cripple you from the responsibilities of the freedom and liberty you've been given and to know the difference is great wisdom the bible says when they entered the promised land that year the manna ceased the provisions of the wilderness stopped and the bible says and they ate of the old corn of the land from then on the children of israel started to till the ground in the promised land because i always tell people one sign of the liberty of freedom that you've received in Christ will come with a responsibility freedom comes with a responsibility liberty comes with a responsibility what they were not tilling in the wilderness they start to till for in the promised land and see how god gets them working and he say this is because you accepted to be free when you become free sometimes you will till against the provisions that you would have received in the wilderness Have you ever asked yourself the question if the children of Israel had gone in the next city asked for seed and came to dig Do you know what would have happened they would have told God we are graduating out of the wilderness that would have been a sign that they are graduating out of the wilderness and that's what I teach you today that if you want to enter the places of freedom start to carry the responsibilities of freedom even while you're still in bondage or in the wilderness you will quicken to get into your freedom who has understood what I just said like a free man even while you're still in your wilderness or bondage if you start to act responsible if you start to carry the responsibility of free men 
you'll find yourself enter the place of freedom. You'll find yourself attach yourself to the assignment and mandate God has given you way quicker because I know many people who not only stay in the wilderness but die there. Most of Israel, not all, died in the wilderness. And I see people who live in this world in the wilderness, pray in the wilderness, fast in the wilderness, do everything, make babies in the wilderness, get married in the wilderness, build businesses in the wilderness, make homes in the wilderness, age in the wilderness, and die in the wilderness. When they get to heaven, they realize they were not even a fraction of what they would have been by God. There's a reason why that whole generation was buried, because God knew I cannot carry this mindset where I expect responsibility. I will not be responsible enough. Why are you complaining that you don't have onions, yet you could go to the next kingdom and come and dig them? You even have the right to judge the person who didn't send the thief on time. But they're the ones educating your kids. Hello. You're abusing how ugly your father's house is when you've not built yours. You've not yet built a house and you're judging your father's house. Oh, you know, they could have changed here. I don't like the chairs. Um, the lights. They are hot. Do yours first. And then teach by doing. Somebody shout hallelujah. If you have not done anything yet, you cannot judge a man who has made the first step to do it. First appreciate the responsibility and effort for that man who has said that I'm choosing to walk out of the boat, even though I'm sinking, but I've made two steps. But you're here teaching people how not to sink, yet you can't make one step out of the boat. I hear many preachers teach about Peter. Don't see. Don't see. But they can't step one step out of the boat. But they're teaching men how not to sink. And I'm thinking, first teach men the lesson of making the first steps. Because this man who was sinking first walked on water. And when Jesus reaches out to him, tells him, from whence did thou walk? Thou tear of little faith. What does the next verse say? Uh -huh. And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. You missed that. Ah. How did they go to the ship? Did Jesus carry him? No. Oh, you got it, right? He reaches out to this man and they went backward. Because once you make that first step and you start to see, the fact that you made that first step, there's a way God cannot allow you to see when you've made that first step. The Bible says they that believe in him cannot be put to shame. Make that first step. Go and pitch that deal. Put that proposal and just say, Father, I'm going by grace. Take that degree and say, God, I'm going to study it. And let me see myself sink in the middle of it. He will not allow you to sink. He will not allow you to sink. If you sink, you'll come walking back together. He can't leave you. Why? Because he honors faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Tell somebody, raise your faith to the next level. I'm raising mine. I'm raising mine. I'm raising mine. I cannot die in the wilderness. I cannot die in the wilderness. Say to yourself, I cannot die. And some of you, by wisdom, God is going to advise you to refuse the provisions of the wilderness. You're going to till your own ground and tell them, I know you are sending us food, but this week don't send. Carry some pride to believe in the God who called you to tell you that if the birds of the sky are provided for, then surely on this earth, this God-given earth, there must be a provision for you. The Bible says the earth was created for the profit of all men. Even the king, the Bible says, himself is served by the field. But you're a king and priest to the Most High God. You cannot lack. You cannot lack. I want to talk to the person this afternoon. Who can examine themselves and say, there are many things I'm leaping in. There are things I can testify of success. But there's an area in my life I feel I've been moving around this mountain. This is the afternoon. This is the day. This is the summer. By which God is going to break this thing of your life. That if he doesn't send me fees, my children won't go to school. You separated with the father of your children and you're taking him to court because he has not paid fees. Look to God.
build your own faith you'll educate your children liberate yourself from his provision and say father if you want look after these children you're their father provide for them i know many single ladies taking children to school even in better schools than couples why because their faith and trust is in god and not the provisions of men i always tell my pastors they know what god cannot give me i don't need it what god can't give me i don't need it i wait i wait I told myself years ago and this is the principle I've lived by I don't beg. Nobody in this room can say apostle grace ask me of this I don't beg. You what you cannot provide for I'm okay. I must learn to lean my entire personality on him and believe him. If we are delayed so let us be his work it's not mine. But I'm not going to manipulate systems and processes because I need to make certain things work and make ends meet. No. If you won't come through then it's okay. Let us move on. Probably I'm also in my own wilderness. Let him teach me what I must learn. There is a person here. The day you sleep hungry and refuse to call somebody, that's the day God will deliver you from love. I don't know who I'm talking to. That's the day you realize that even the a raven can feed a prophet you have your wilderness it could be relational emotional financial spiritual but whatever it is tonight it breaks tonight you cross over to freedom in Jesus name raise your hands and speak to Jesus what i left you were And where I was broken and you made home where I doubted you were sure I trust the lover the lover of my soul and what upon your life this afternoon that in the name of Jesus Christ for any situation any circumstances everything that you've been going through that had held you in your wildernesses and delayed in trial and, and and limitations and bondage i pray this afternoon as the word of god has come out let it mature your spirit to leap into the freedom and liberty that you deserve to leave the assignment God has placed on your life. Let me decree and declare that the days of limitation have come to an end concerning that issue. The days of struggle and strife have come to an end concerning that issue. The days of disease and pain have come to an issue. The days of struggle and strife have come to that issue. Tonight God 
graduates you he elevates you he increases you to the place of freedom and i believe that from today signs miracles and wonders will happen to confirm to affirm what god has done in your spirit this afternoon give him a mighty hand of a praise come on clap for jesus clap like you know what you've received You know what you've received. Hey, just a I am free to serve the Lord in everything He has placed inside me. Say, I decree and I declare I'm not limited by the weather, I'm not limited by seasons. I'm not limited by times. I'm not limited by traditions. I'm not limited by reason. I'm not limited by logic. I progress in spite of the circumstances. I break through in spite of the scenarios. I am more than a conqueror. This is the year I'm going to do in days what take others years i'm going to do in months what take others decades give the lord a man of praise thank you jesus if you're here and you've never given your life to jesus i believe this whole one hour and a half i have spoken god has explained everything concerning salvation i don't need to persuade you any further if you say today i want to receive that lord you're talking about repeat these words after me say lord jesus i thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and you were raised for my glory today i receive you as my personal lord and savior i'm born again this sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.